Good evening and welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I'm your hostess, Crystal, and thank you for joining us this evening. I'm having a great time and I hope you are too. This evening we are joined by Tony DeSantis from Hoochie Mama. Welcome, Tony. How are you this evening? I'm excellent, Crystal. And you? I'm pretty darn good myself, thank you. That's good. That's good <laughs> Has it been a busy day for you? Yeah, it's always a busy day. Then um, in Sydney when you have to work and shuffle your, your jobs around music and, and family and so forth, so it's always a busy day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Hoochie Mama, who come up with that name? Uh, well, that was me. Um, we were we probably kicked the band off about eight years ago, and it was just me, and my mate Marty, which is the drummer in the band, Marty Richardson, mm. and mm-hmm. um, we were doing some open mics, open mic nights, yep. and we were playing at a place called the Ball Face Stag down at um, Leichhardt on Parramatta Road there, and uh, it was the Musos night, and it's. It was run by, I think, a fellow called Jim Finn and Al Britton. Absolutely. Yeah. I know them well yeah, and yeah. I used to frequent the same place. Well, I think <laughs> half of Sydney used to go there and it was a great place. I think so. It was a great place and great musicians and they put one hell of a night on. And um, so we, we started to, um, to venture out to these open mics and so forth and we had a couple of tunes under our belts that we wanted to, 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 to play and we needed a name. So, you know, I was... Um, what do we call ourselves? And I just come up with the name, Who's Your Mama? I mean, I'm a, yep. I'm, a, I'm a Seinfeld fan, so it comes from there, so I'm not, no point hiding it. Um, <laughs> so uh, that, that's where the name came from. That's perfect. And as a musician, were you playing much before you started going to the jams? Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've been playing guitar my whole life and started, you know, way back in the, dare I say, back in the 80s in my first bands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, we we're playing. We're down from the Southern Shire area, mm-hmm. and uh, in my in my early days, in my late teens, we, we I was in a band called Just Lust, and that morphed into a band called Dance Park, and we were just like you know, just lads, uh, late teens, early twenties, and um, we we're really just doing original songs. Fantastic. And, uh, we, we thought we were going to be the next Duran Duran because uh, New Wave just come in and. You know, all the big bands was sort of like, uh, like U2 and In Excess were still quite young and all sort of stuff. And um, so we were just uh, looking abroad for inspiration and, and, you know, with bands like Simple Minds and Cure and all this new stuff that was coming out of the UK and we were just totally inspired. And so we were just doing all original music. And then we got our foothold into the live scene and um, started playing with some uh, great Aussie bands. Uh, just around around the shire at, at the time, and um, did you write your own music back then, or was it a collaboration? Uh, it was a collaboration. Like you know, you come in and someone have a have a guitar riff. The the lyricist, the, the singer Ian, he used to write all the lyrics you know, in the band, and then we mm-hmm. could collaborate with um uh, with the music and write our own parts and the songs, and and we took a lot of pride. We you know we're trying to uh, create something new, and we just weren't playing covers and. And, but that was back in the day when originals were accepted. You could go out and play, play in a pub and, as you know, the pub would be packed because people want to see live music. And, and uh, we were playing alongside with bands, um, like Richard Clapham, Ice House, uh, In Excess. We support all these bands back in, in, in the very early 80s. Back in the day. Yeah, How fantastic awesome. is that? Oh, awesome. You know, as, as young, that was kind of the heyday because you also had Cold Chisel, ACDC. They were all original music. That's right. Yeah. And, and the pubs you know? were, were absolutely packed to the rafters. And uh, some of my best nights are seeing some of the live Aussie bands. And, and I don't think you can explain to kids today, or you know, when I say kids, or, you know, kids in their 20s or even their 30s, just say, you don't know what live music was like back in the 80s when you could go out three or four nights a week and see some of these iconic bands. And, uh, uh, exactly. And down at Bondi. Yeah, I used to go to at... Bondi and, you know, Everywhere from around the shore, we used to go to Sylvania and Karen Barin and so forth. We used to go to the Bondi Lifesavers. Um, yep, that's the one. A, a lot of a few other pubs. I used to go in the town government's pleasure or Sydney Cove Tavern. Uh, there was a lot, yep. a lot of places used to go um, and watch the bands and also have gigs there. 
uh, what yeah. all these bands. And it was uh, quite heady days because, you know, there was smoking and drinking on the dance floor, glasses oh. broken, <laughs> hang, swinging from the... The, from the rafters oh. in some places, and it was cra- it was crazy. I remember I think going down to um, seeing uh, Soul Cold Chisel. I think I was about eighteen, you know, when I was sort of starting to go out to the bars and clubs and so forth. And mm-hmm. um, and it was absolutely chockers this this club. And it was back in the day when Jimmy Barnes was pretty wild. And next thing he's on stage, and you turn around, and he's on the on the back on the second level, you know, hanging from the chandeliers. Just about, to, just about to jump off, and it was wild, and it was awesome, and it was it was electric. You know, the the atmosphere was just unbelievable, and that's when I was thinking to myself, I want to be in a rock band. <laughs> I want to, I want to, oh, I, yeah. I want to play in a band. I want to play live music. I want to be on stage. I don't, I don't want to be out here in the crowd. I don't want to be up there. And uh, you know what? That's that's always what I thought too. Is I don't want to be here. I want to be up there. Exactly. exactly. And I and I was. So, yeah, it was great. And you know, and once you once you have that feeling, it's. It's a it's great playing live and um, and we were fortunate enough to you know we didn't you know do anything fantastic but uh, we we played enough enough gigs and with enough bands and, and eventually uh, the band imploded but that was before we left our mark on a cooking with George LP um, back in the day remember when they did all those records through Triple J and, yes uh, yeah yeah, um, yeah. So we were, I think it was on one of the first cooking cooking with George George albums uh, so if you if anyone's got a Got one of those uh, records. You'll feel like a dance punk. That's us. We've got a couple of tracks on that on that album. Oh, how cool is yeah. that? Well, I'm glad that they're still. Would they be on Spotify or anything like that, Tony? I don't know. I don't know. But um, funny enough, my brother-in-law came out and we had a barbecue at his place a while ago. He came out. He said, "Do you recognise this?" And he had one of the albums, of Cooking with George, was like three or four records. It was a fucking box set, and uh, it was like oh, almost wow. like, was like a collector's item. I couldn't believe he had one. But uh, that was back in yeah, the Colette. that was back in the day. At the same time as when Boom, Boom Crash Up would just came out. Yep, yep. So it was sort of came out at about the same time. It would have been about uh, mid eighties at that stage. And uh, but they went on to great height, great heights, and we imploded. <laughs> at the end of that story. Yeah. And how long did you guys stay together as that band there? Uh, that band probably about maybe three, four years. We were together in two two different. Incarnations, and um, and we had a great time. We learned a lot, but uh, you know, we were just being young and silly. Everyone sort of had too many egos in the band, and it just it just imploded. And so that band broke up. And then me, what a shame! Yeah, it was a shame. But me and the singer then carried on, and we started a new band called Hungry Eyes. Um, and that was that that lasted for about five six years up towards the last. I remember that. I remember that band, Hungry Eyes. Yeah, that was us, and we. Um, oh. Yeah, really. There you go. I didn't know that. Yeah, we released a song called So Wrong, um, The Hungry Eyes. That's on YouTube. You can see the clip there. It's a, it's a great song. It's very political. It's actually very now the song. It's we were probably way ahead of our time. Um, yes. Well, I should say that Ian, he wrote some all great, great lyrics, and and um, I'm sure if he had his chance, he would have he would have the song supporting the Yes movement uh, because it's probably all, it's, all, yeah. it's all about that sort of stuff. It's uh, it's very, very now. But uh, so, yeah. so that band was was uh, you know, we went through Dance Park into into Hungry Eyes and um, and that was sort of like the late eighties. So we were yep. still doing a we sort of morphed into new wave into funk back back in those days. Funk was sort of very big in the in the late eighties. Uh, and still yes. and still still doing original music. Always did original music through all those bands, and we still managed to get enough work and enough gigs um, playing playing originals, which was great. That's fantastic. Do you find now, though, because I know you have Hoochie Mama mm. and you may have some originals there, but do you play a lot of covers now? And do you find that, uh, well, I know for me personally, if I'm singing a song that I've written, I get a bit more satisfaction out of it than I love doing covers as well. There's such great music around. But do you find that, you're not doing maybe as many originals now. Yeah, hundred percent. Like when we kicked off um, Hoochie Mama, we sort of we we're just jamming, and so we we're jamming probably fifty percent originals and fifty percent covers. You know, half and half. And then we started doing the open mics and so forth, and you know, eventually went into the gig world. 
And mm. when we started doing those gigs, we sort of filtered to about maybe 30% originals, 70% covers, because we thought we've got to keep the punters interested. And, yeah. But also the covers that we chose when we first kicked off, we weren't playing super mainstream songs. We were playing like the B-sides of, 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 um, of albums or, and, or songs you know, by popular people, but they may not be a super popular song or they may have been a hit from a long time ago. And um, yeah. and then, then the other thing that we sort of got into is that we would then eventually, uh, we would say, we who Hoochie Mummify the track, which would mean we would take a song and make it our own and sometimes we'd go into maybe doing like like a country beats and rockabilly beats into, into rock songs and change the arrangements to keep it interesting for us. So yeah. even though you're not doing original songs, sometimes you, you, you take some of these covers and you make it your own and do your own versions to it. So that, yeah. that kept us interesting but also kept the punters interested as well because we're playing songs that they knew but, yes. but a different version. And then eventually, um, nowadays, we, we do pretty much almost 95% covers. Um, right. Because yeah. you, you've got to keep um, the, the public and happy, um, keep the people drinking yes. and keep the people up dancing. So if, yeah, I, if, I, if, I had my, if I had my way, I would love to just do a original fit. So that's why we've now we've taken, we're almost wearing a couple of hats now because we we have written original songs, as you know, that we spoke about. Um, yes, everyone. yes. So, and we've done, we have done a, a film clip for it as well. So we like to. Fantastic. We still want to do original music and release it and put it out there because I don't want to um, uh, just waste our, our songs that we've got and, and not go anywhere. You, you've got to have some sort of release to get get the songs out. Um, so still, Absolutely. So still do that. And then, you know, the cover gigs is just like bread and butter. Yes. So would would your original music be on like Spotify, YouTube? Uh yes, on, on all streaming services, yeah. So yeah. um it's so, on the Yeah, so what I'll get you to do then, and we've already spoke about it, is send me some links so I can put them in the description. So people can just click on those links and be taken straight to it. Yeah. That seems to be the easiest thing for yeah. people now. Yeah. Do you have some albums available for people to purchase? Uh, no, we haven't gone down that way. Um, eventually we would like to do possibly an EP, but I think what our plan is that we're just going to release a track at a time on, on Spotify as they come up. Um, instead, okay, instead, instead of saying let's record a whole EP and put an album out, we work we work a little bit too slowly to, to do that. We wait we <laughs> waiting a lifetime. Um, so we get we get a song ready, put it out, and um, and and off we go. Yeah, yeah, and promote the hell out of yeah. it. <laughs> and, that, and that's why we like doing the film clips with the with the original songs as well, because we we can have a bit of fun with it and have a bit of storyboard. I don't like we don't like to do like serious. Videos like I like to have a bit of fun with it, put a bit of humour in it, and we hopefully we've done that with the, with the film clip for our song. Oh, that's fantastic! And the name of the song that we're talking about would be "Last Time Whiskey and My Motorbike." Correct. Right. I think what we'll do actually is slot that in right about now yeah. and have a listen. Drink. We dance the night. 
Tony, I think that that is absolutely fantastic. Good job. Good well, job. I'm glad you liked it there, Crystal. Oh, you're welcome. And uh, I know that I have another song of yours later on. It would be a cover, and we'll put that in a little bit later on in the uh, interview. So good work on that. I think it's a big thing for any artist uh, and songwriters to you know, get their stuff out there, actually to get to the point of recording it and getting it out there because a lot of people can write a song but they don't get it produced and don't get it uh, out there to the wider public, which is what everybody needs to have, you know, is oh, more, you gotta, more original music, I believe. You've got, you got, you got to have the full package. You've got the presentation, the performance, the playing, everything. It's, I don't think people really appreciate how difficult it is to actually to get a good sounding song happening. No, you're totally correct. Even if you're doing covers, it's the same thing. It's it's um, everybody's got to play their part cohesively. Exactly, exactly. You know? So um, so we've 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 enjoyed writing. So I was just going to go back probably another decade before that. So after the band um, Dance Park, I went to Hungry Eyes. Mm-hmm. We sort of the band. We just sort of disbanded Hungry Eyes and then I joined, teamed up with another, another mate of mine and we formed a bit of a production company for a little while. So I did that in the early 90s for about seven, eight years. Oh, cool. And uh, we just producing demos, we produced a couple of singles here and there as well. And um, and we're still writing through this whole period. At this stage, I, I wasn't interested in covers at all. Yep. We just wanted to do, do original music. I got into sort of R&B soul and that sort of, that sort of stuff as well. And um, early early nineties, we wrote a few songs, and then um, it was one night. I was out one night, and I met uh, Mark Williams, yep, uh, the singer, the yeah, Show No Mercy singer, mm-hmm. um, and uh, got got to know Mark quite well. And he ended up over the years, about five six years, we recorded about a dozen songs with him. Oh, fantastic! Um, How yeah, cool. we, we'll write, we, yeah, we were writing the songs, and you know, give Mark a call, and he'd come over and demo the songs and. And so forth, and we got a got a quite a few uh, tracks up. And uh, as only last year, they've been in the vault for like a long time. And I rang in Mark last year at a gig, and I said, "Remember all those songs that we recorded?" He said, "Yeah, yeah." And I said, um, "You might have put one of them out." He said, "Go for it, bro." So um, we released a, a song uh, with Mark uh, singing sing on sing on it. It's a track called "Special." It's on Spotify. Um, under Mark Williams, we didn't put under our name. We just put under Mark Williams, produced by us, which called ourselves Pat Music at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's an R and B track. It's a song I wrote about my daughter when she was born. Oh, so it, nice. so it means a lot. To, it means a lot to me. I couldn't sing it if I tried because <laughs> it's, it's a bit of vocal gymnastics in there. And um, Mark just kills the kills the track. 
it was a beautiful song and and um so you're really stoked after all these years to get it out of the vault and put it out on on um on stream services to get it out there that's fantastic and, congratulations yeah. thank you thank you and uh very pleased about that and and then obviously mark's gone on to the greater and greater things all along and he's been singing with dragon now for about 15 years yeah so, um, oh. so he's, he's really kicking ass doing that and um so I was really pleased um, to have him sing on our tracks and I still think he's one of the best vocalists in the country. Yeah, what a boon for you guys. What a boon. Now, well, it's just interesting. It's interesting to see someone like him um, at work singing. Yeah. You know, just the way, you know, you, you go into it, you know, it's like you're a singer. You, mm-hmm. you go into a room, you teach somebody a song, you learn the parts, you might spend half an hour going through the song, do this, do that, and then you'll just go in and, and he'll just perform it and go, oh, my God, how did you do that? He did everything I asked plus 10,000 times better. Oh, that found, imagine, that is know. awesome. That is really awesome. It's it's really good, isn't it, as a musician when you gel with other musicians? Oh, it's so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, and it makes it all worthwhile, doesn't it? Because mm. <laughs> sure the pay does. packets certainly don't. <laughs> no, you have to get some sort of source satisfaction out of it. It's coming along the line. Yeah, that's it. So I've seen that you guys have played with Dragons, Skyhooks and the Radiators. When was yeah. that? That was about 2019, was it? Uh, just, just before COVID. Yeah, just before COVID, yes. Yeah, yeah 2019, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, it was a couple of years before COVID. So I think 2019 was our best year. Like, we'll band, we'll start a game momentum. We'll, we'll, um, I think we're going to start recording the tracks that we're going to release. We're, we're getting a lot of shows with some of those bands. We did... um. The tent, we did a little four or five date tour with um Ted Murray Gang when they came out in 2019 or 2020 as well. We did a few dates with them. Yep. Um, yeah. that, they they just got together. They must get together every few years and do a few shows, and so we tagged along with that. So it was it was going really well, and then all of a sudden the dreaded COVID hit, and we had a whole bunch of dates booked in 2020, and bit by bit I got a phone call and got cancellations, and so did every other musician and band in, in the country. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone just got cancellations and it was just gone. It was just decimated overnight. Absolutely. And it's um, it's coming back a lot better now, but for so long it's just been so hard. Such a hard yeah. road to get everything back. Yeah. I still think, I still don't think we're quite there yet. I no. talked to some of the venue owners and they just say, no, it's still, still down on numbers. Um, yeah, you know it's still it's, it's hard to get. And now also the other problem is there's there's way too many bands and not enough venues. True, I, I get that. I get a lot of that as well. So it's a sort it's hard to to get your foot in the door of some new venues because they want to keep using the same bands that they've had for years and years. And you know, think oh, I think I'm proud or they're doing or whatever. They're not you're not getting a chance or looking um, into new venues. So that's quite difficult as well. Well, because and two, a lot of venues have closed down since COVID. Oh yeah, you know, they and, they and, just and couldn't and sustain, yeah, sustain to come back, and no. it's yeah, it's just you know, it's still good, but it's just not the same, you know. So anyway, all we can do as musicians is keep playing our music, keep you know entertaining people, and just keep yeah. on keeping on. It's just it's just up to the people just to just to get out there and support live music. Support support the venues that actually have the courage to put bands on, to put live music on, support those venues. Absolutely, I totally they're, agree. They're the, one, they're the ones taking the risk. Like they're they're still paying the artists, they're still gonna put um, you know, they're still gonna pay their staff to open the venues and so forth. So you need the numbers there to make them break even at least. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. the last few venues that are open, they won't put bands back on. No, and so many of them too are, have got the poker machines. That's right. Yeah, that's the other issue as well. Yeah. So I know I know quite a few venues that if they haven't closed down, they've got poker machines in there now, and it's just like, hang on, when did that happen? Exactly. Well, that's yeah. like the nineties all over again, really, wasn't it? Because a lot of the a lot of the pubs back in in the nineties were shutting their doors and taking pulling out the stages and putting poker machines in. Yeah, isn't it a funny thing? Isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, was, it, was that whole, it was that whole period, like sort of late. I thought through the nineties and early nineties, where live music sort of just sort of disappeared in some ways. Yeah, and I don't know about you, and I'm certainly not dissing it, but 
the music that we know from the 80s, 90s, etc., and the blues, mm-hmm. the music today is so different. Well, it is. That's true. So, um, I mean, music today, any new artist or new songs, it's, you know, it's a lot of just programmed half the time. So, And you can tell um, too with the drum beat, you can actually tell. Well, it's, and, and they're just so, it's just top 40 stuff. It's so overproduced. It doesn't yes. matter if you listen to Bruno Mars or Ed Sheeran these days or, or Taylor Swift, the songs are just, they might be great songs. And you can play them with the band and strip the songs right back, but the actual recordings, you can hear that they've programmed, you know, the life out of it and overproduced the life out of the songs where there's no realism in it anymore. No, not like when ACDC went into the studio fresh from doing a gig, <laughs> fresh from doing yeah, exactly. a gig and their voices were raw, their fingers were probably mm. bleeding and they go straight into the studio and record exactly. and you can hear that rawness straight into the amplifier, no pedals, you know, exactly. and that was rock and roll. Exactly, and that's what people want to hear these days. And then, and these days now I'll sort of, Changed my focus a little bit and what I like to listen to as well because of the top 40, there's nothing really there for me that I'm, I'm interested in. No. And, uh, and and I'm sort of almost veering over to the country stuff for the last 10 years as well. Well, I was I actually going to call you uh, to ask you about that. I've noticed that you have such a wide range of genres that you dip your toe into and I've seen that country yeah. was one of them. So yeah. who in the country... Uh, genre inspired you to to like country and to um, want to play it. To want to play it. Well, it's to me, it's it's one of the last places where it's, they're real musicians playing real songs. That's that's that, that's call. the last. That, that that's what got me right into it. And it was about probably about eight, nine, ten years ago. As I was starting to watch this fellow called Marty Stewart, mm-hmm. um, and he had this show called the Marty Stewart and the Superlatives, and He's like the silver fox, I call him, and he's, a, he's iconic, in, iconic in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this dude, he was a child prodigy, and he played the mandolin, I think, when he was 15 or 16 or probably younger with uh, banjo players and so forth and other country artists called Earl Scruggs. And yeah. he was actually he was actually joining Cash's band as a guitarist. Oh, cool. So this, cool. Guy, this guy's got a lot of history. He's probably in his late 60s now. But um, he had this awesome show. Um, I, just, I used to watch it on the Country Music Channel, and it was like a, a, a it was obviously a TV set. That the set was like set up as an old barn, and they got wagon wheels and straw, and oh, and I the band. That. Called, you remember, and the Sapolities, they all wear wore these safari suits, and wore like country safari suits. But they're all awesome plays, yeah. And the harmony. It was just a four piece band. But I started watching watching this dude. I'm thinking, God. How much fun are these guys having? Yes, and and yeah. be, and I'm just and I was just sort of re re um rediscovering guitar, lead guitar, and all sort of stuff again. And and I, I love Telecasters, so I know all all, all, all country players play Telecasters, and I love Telecasters. They do. I noticed that you've got a beautiful black coloured one with a humbucker, or is it a P90? Yeah, that's one. No, it's a humbucker, and I love that guitar. That's that's my go-to guitar every single time. Because you can get the crunch out of the humbucker, but still get the telly twang. And what what uh, brand is that? Uh, it's a Fender. Fender. The Fender telly. The Fender, Fender telly custom. So are you a Fender or a Gibson or a Gretsch uh, man? Well, I'd have to say I've got three tellies so, and one Gibson, so I have a and a Strat. So I'd have to say I am a Fender Fender boy. Fender boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Fender Fender boy, and I've got a Fender amp, so. You just can't beat the combination of Fender guitar, straight into a Fender amp. I yeah, just, especially know. not the tellies. I think they do extremely well with uh, the the Fender amps too. Oh, they, they just sound so clean, and, and they, I love the twang. And then it was a and funny enough, with because we're a trio, mm-hmm. three piece band. Um, I've, even I've got the other telly, I just found that black, the black one that I played the, with the humbucker. It's just got the right combination of sounds to fill out the band as well. Yes, yes. Uh, with, with the material that we play, with the songs that we play. Mm-hmm. So um, you've got to find the right instrument to, um, to complement the, the drums and the guitars and the bass and so forth, whatever you're playing. And I, that was just the right combination for me. Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, you play lead guitar and some rhythm all rolled into yeah. one. 
Or rolled in one and lead vocals um, as well. So yeah. I've never been a lead vocalist before, before Hoochie Mama. And, uh, you know, when we kicked off the band, we'll, I was sort of starting to look around for another vocalist and no one put their hand up. And I said to Marnie, he said, I think I'll have a crack at that. And he said, yeah, <laughs> go for it. And the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, I've always dabbled, but I never thought I'd do lead vocals. That's why that's why we dipped our toes into the open mic nights and so forth and so forth, so I could get my confidence up. And I thought, yeah, right, yeah. You know, I, was, I, was, I, was a bit, I was a bit shy. I never thought I, I never thought I could do it. But then once you started doing, it, I thought, this is a lot of fun. It is, you isn't know? it? And, uh, and it's just kind of like yeah. I don't want to get off of here. <laughs> yeah, well, just, I just want to keep going. You just got to get your confidence up. You got to start playing. Um, obviously, you've got to put the work in and, you know, Hoochie Mama, we get together once a week just about. Perfect. Uh, if, we've got, if we've got gigs or no gigs or whatever, it's it's our, we, we always joke, that's our golf, it's our tennis, it's our, that's our man shed. You know, we get together regardless and shoot the breeze and play some music and, and regardless if we've got gigs or not, we'll just try and get together every week. And I think that's fantastic. Gigs, yeah, if we've got gigs to rehearse with, there's no gigs, we'll try some new material and, you know, different things. That's it. So, I think the main that, thing is is uh, being a unit and kind of staying together and, you know, yeah. being well, friends with have, everyone. Exactly. And you've got to have the same the same drive, the same – you've got to have the same – be on the same path. Um, and, and Marty and I have always been on the same path of what we want out of the band and, and, and our bass player, Joff. And it's funny enough, Joff, who just – he joined us uh, about three years ago, he used to play with me in Hungry Eyes. Cool. All those years ago. Mm-hmm. So when I looked for a bass player, we um, called Joff up and he said, yeah, I'm ready. This was just during COVID because he's a, he's a jazz player. Oh, awesome. His, yeah, so a lot of his big band gigs have just you know, got decimated as well through COVID. Mm. So he was looking for something to do and um, so it was, it, was, it, was, it was perfect. It all fitted well together. Oh, that's fantastic. Did you find it a little bit challenging to sing and play guitar at the same time? Uh, I did. I did. I won't lie. It's always hard to. To me, it's a bit like a drummer. I don't have drummers do it, but I play kick and snare and have to all these different things together. Me either. It's, it's practice. You know, you learn to do your solos and your rhythms. You disconnect yourself. You know, I'm playing the ring all the way through. You disconnect yourself from the vocals, so your brain's spitting the words out, and your hands are doing something else. Yeah, so I think what it is, you, you you create new neural pathways. Oh, you do, and and um, and there's uh, some songs I found quite challenging in singing, and and there's another fellow that I really so there's a few guys I sort of looked up to at the time mm-hmm. to get inspiration. Mm-hmm. Marty Stewart was one of them. Another fellow was a, a guy called Tad Benoit, mm-hmm. or Tad Benoit, as we might call him. He's, he's a, a a guy from Louisiana, and uh, he's a blues player as well. And he's got a three piece band. I've thing. heard of him. Yes, he's, he's absolutely awesome. Yeah, you know, he's very very raw. All his music is very raw, blues. And um, and uh, so I looked towards him and watched a lot of his stuff uh, live on YouTube. And you know, you're playing wrist all the way through the song and singing over the top. And, wow. and we, cover, we cover one of his songs. And um, and at the time when I first wanted to do it, I thought, I don't think I'll ever be able to do that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we're doing a constant riff, you know, that sort of thing and, and yeah. singing over the top. I thought I'd never be able to do that. But perseverance and... Um, now you and practice, that's it. it, that's it. It's just practice. You just do it and you pull it off. Yeah. So now you play lovely Telecaster and the odd uh, Strat and Gibson. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, do you play any other instruments? No. I, uh, I've got a couple of keyboards lying around the house that I used to do uh, a bit of programming and, and home demoing and that sort of stuff. But, um, but piano was actually my first instrument when I was a kid. Yep. And uh, and I think I got the second grade, and I thought, mate, guitar's far more sexier than playing. <laughs> so, brings uh, brings all the girls. Well, I it was something about when I was when I was a kid. I used to look at guitars, and I just thought they were beautiful. I thought it was like a grey man looking at a Ferrari. Yeah, that's how I looked at guitars. I yep. thought they were just. I don't know what it was. There's something in my brain that I just look at a guitar. I thought that's just look beautiful. I want one. I want to play one. And I think I was about five years old. When I felt like that. Oh, five so years just, old! Wow. Yeah, I think mean, I was just a little kid. I was just really little, and I don't think I got my first guitar until I was about eight or nine. When you know, you, you old, you, you badger your parents long enough, they'll 
I'll give you something to shut you up. Everybody and, says uh, the same thing. I just harped and harped and harped and then my mum bought it for me. Yeah, so, yeah, and I loved it. Yeah. And, and yeah. Never, never, looked, never looked back. Yeah. Did you have lessons at that early age or did you just play around with it yourself? Uh, the oh, guitar. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, mate. Uh, probably, probably a bit of both. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I definitely had lessons when I, when I kicked off and I was at that age just to get the fundamentals in. Yep. And then, then for about probably three, four years, um, and then sort of, you know, you, you start to think you can learn things by yourself off records and, and so forth. So, yeah, just moved on from there. Yeah. And isn't it so much easier now? Back then we had the records and then later oh. on the cassettes. But um, exactly. now you've got... There's programs where you can slow things down, speed them up. So it's so much easier now to learn, you know, oh, uh, the songs. If, if everything's on YouTube. You want to learn a song, you just put it in the YouTube and there's a lesson for it. Absolutely. It's, how fantastic is it and how lucky you know, are we? They'll, they'll, show you the, they'll show you the chords, they'll show you how to do this. It's just so much easier to learn everything on YouTube. We did it. We did it the hard way. I did a lot of it by year as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, these days it's so much easier. But and I'm still learning stuff all the time. I, I still go to YouTube all the time as well. If I want to learn country leak or or learn some new stuff, I'll just go on there. I've got my some go to guys. I've yeah, yeah. Blown yeah. away. And um, thinking, oh my god, how do you do that? And and um, where they fuse different styles. I, I love when they. I love chicken picking and country licks and lots of the stuff. But when they oh, so do use I. country licks with blues licks and harmonic mm-hmm. majors and a lot of Mixolydian scales and all that sort of stuff, I'm, I think it's just—it's not rocket science, but it's—they make it sound so beautiful. Oh, but they um, do. And you know, um, once you go down that rabbit hole. You know, and it's you just oh. keep going and going, and it's it's really a fantastic thing because it gets your brain working, you know, and it gets That's you exploring right. new avenues of music as well, or the new ways of doing things. Which well, it, yeah. I, I think as well sometimes that uh, as musicians, guitar players, keyboards, mandolin, it doesn't really matter. If we learn it ourselves, we get into really bad habits. Exactly, and then um, it's all about theory. You got to know your theory. Yes, well, that, that was my next question. How how important do you think theory is uh, when playing music or learning music? I think I think you have to know the fundamentals. I think it's good to know. I wish I knew what I know now when I was younger, because I would probably be a lot better than what I am. I'm not still not fantastic, but I, I know enough to get by. Yep. And, um, you know, I'm, that's that's all I've been doing for the last few years, just learning enough to, to get my head above water. But Because um, I don't want to learn stuff that I'm not going to use either. 100%. Especially, I don't want to waste weeks or months learning, you know, licks here or licks that, but I'm not going to use it in, in, in the songs that I'm doing or style that I'm doing, especially if um, a lot of gigs these days, fundamentally just playing a lot of cover gigs as well. So I'm spending a lot of time learning songs. Learn, learning the lyrics and melodies and it still takes a, 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 a while to, to get a, a large repertoire of songs up. So I'm trying to do everything at the moment as well as trying to learn new licks and keep it fresh. Yeah, that's right. And fresh for yourself as well, really. Well, I want to keep educating myself. Yes. And how, how many hours a week do you think uh, you spend on playing music or learning new New, um, uh, new I'll probably pick the guitar up. I'll probably pick up the guitar every day just to dabble on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and usually, you know, when you get time on the weekends, you might spend a few hours. If, I, if I've got gigs on, I could spend a whole day just going through the song list. The song list. Um, if I'm learning new songs, I could spend, you know, five, six hours in the music room just, just going through the stuff. And we rehearse once a week, we probably usually about a three or four hour session when we rehearse as well. Fantastic. So we Put, put a lot of time into it, yeah. and then and then then you got the other side because I, I manage the band as well. Yeah, right. I spend I spend a lot of time uh, emails on the phone chasing gigs, chasing money. Tell me about it. Well. <laughs> Tell me about yeah. it. It's never ending, yeah, that, isn't it? No, nah, that's right. You know, you don't you don't get you don't get paid for it. You don't get much thanks for it. But um, it's one of those uh, 
evil jobs that has to be done. Yeah, I love it, especially when a venue will ring you and say, "Hey, I've got these gigs here. Can you can you do those?" And it's like, I'm going to say yes regardless. <laughs> yeah, well, I got one yesterday, and I thought, God, finally they've called me. Yeah, how you good know. is it? How good is it? Yeah. How good and, is and, it? And the same thing. I got one last Sunday, uh, not last Sunday, week ago. Same thing. I got a message of, uh, I mean, can you can you do a fill in tonight? Because we played at the venue the week before and and actually killed it in town. Fantastic. And, uh, obviously still fresh in their mind, but we couldn't do the gig. It was a Sunday night. We weren't available. But um, it's good when they get back to you. It certainly is. It's like, yeah, I've made an impression. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. After all this yeah. time, you're ringing me, which is great. Yes, finally, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what is the best live show or act you've ever seen, Tony? Um, I think... Think the best live bands are Australian, hands down. I do too. And I think one of the best shows I ever saw was probably Cold Chisel, like the one I said about with Jimmy Barnes hanging off the PA stack. Yeah. Uh, it was a long time. I just remember the band was actually ripping it and, you know, Jimmy Barnes going crazy. But then um, I've, I've seen In Excess dozens of times as well and, They've always blown me away every time I saw saw them play live as well. They were just a great band. Yeah, I mean, unlike Mob Hutchins, great front man, great songs, and they were they were a complete unit as a band. You could just you know you see some bands you say oh it's got the lead singer guitars, but they yeah. were a unit. They were they were a real band. Like they're really together, those guys. Yeah. Um. So, so I mean, between those sort of bands, obviously some other great acts along the way as well, and international acts. Um. Yeah, you know, from U2 and the police and so forth, all those sort of bands. I, I saw Bruce Springsteen just probably about five years ago. Uh, he, he actually was a lot better than what I thought he was going to be. I've never been a big Bruce Springsteen fan. No, I love Bruce. Uh, but, he, but he was great and the band just kicked it yeah. as well. Yeah. And I went and saw Keith Urban not long after that either and I thought, I'm not a Keith Urban fan either, but he absolutely blew me away as well. Yeah, look, I was watching a doco thing on Keith and uh, when I saw, oh, no, actually, excuse me, it was on, um, oh, my goodness, it's gone out of my head now, the country fella. Oh, gosh, don't you hate that. Um, What's it look like? Slim Dusty, that's who. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, okay. We've just not long been to the Slim Dusty Museum, but anyway, how yeah. could I forget that? Um, so I was watching a thing on Slim Dusty and I'm like to my husband, is that Keith Urban? So Slim yeah, Dusty well. actually gave Keith Urban like one of his early starts because he had him up and they were playing Lights on the Hill together. Oh, okay. Yeah, check that well, out on yeah, YouTube. Well, it's well, really good. Yeah, because I think he went to Tamworth quite a, quite a bit. He got a Golden Guitar Wars and early, early on in the piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and, and he, was, he was playing around Sydney, I think, back in the early eighties. Yes, but he had these long golden locks. Yeah, <laughs> and he just yeah. rocked that guitar, didn't he? That's yeah. right. And it's funny because um, the mate of mine who um, co-wrote that song special, that really Mark Williams, mm-hmm. he's a keyboard player, and he he said, "I, I did a session with with uh, Keith back oh. in the early." Early, uh, early uh, 80s, mm-hmm. so um, when, when he was doing demos around town. So it's just funny who you know and people go, oh, yeah, I did a session with that guy, I want to do a session with Keith Urban and so forth. And, but obviously Keith's gone to the stratosphere and <laughs> we're still here in Sydney. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Sydney is the best, the best um, city in the world. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be anywhere else. But, uh, he, okay, he's in the musical stratosphere. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm slightly, I'm slightly envious. <laughs> yeah, I'll just say a little. Me too. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, uh, Keith Urban has on YouTube. He's got like starter guitar lessons. Yeah, right. For people, okay. And he he's such a good teacher. He actually, you know, explains things and shows things so so well. You know, it's easy to follow along with him, and you just think, oh, what a good bloke to do that. You know. Uh, yeah, well, to well, kind he, of go back he, to the beginning for people. Yeah, exactly. And he's the real deal. I mean, he did it tough. In the yeah. Days in yes. And he had a yeah. band called The Ranch where he was playing as a three-piece band. 
he did a lot of sessions. Um, obviously, he had issues along the way that we all know about. But as, as a muso, he's a great muso. He's a real doer. He's a great, great player. Um, good luck to him. He's, he seems like a super, super nice guy as well. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, and yeah, he'd be a great, great guy. Now, you playing guitar for for your life, like during your life. Yeah. Have you ever been approached for guitar lessons? Uh, no, never. Okay. Is that something you'd want to do or it's just not, not of your interest? Uh, it's just not on my radar. I mean, uh, no, I just never, never really thought about it. I, I don't think I would have the patience. Okay. Uh, that's, yeah, okay. Mm. But, I, I mean, if, if I wouldn't, you know, if a young person come up and said, can you give me some lessons or some tips, I'd, I'd certainly do that. But, um, yeah, it's not on my radar to say, yeah, I'll just go and start teaching yeah i guess some uh, people are just um made to teach and or yeah. not or not teach um yeah, yeah i suppose yeah you've got I mean, to have the patience and, for it that's correct you do and, and funny enough I, sometimes I, I see the videos that you talk about on youtube and you see them going i see people teaching on youtube and i think oh my god the teacher needs a teacher it's crap <laughs> yeah you know what i mean i think god man i could do that in two seconds what you were just trying to do and he's they can't yeah. even hit, you know, like think of the sort of structure of the chords properly and so forth. Yeah, yeah, so, making um, it a bit harder I, I get, than what it needs to be. I get, I get frustrated watching it, but um, <laughs> I, I suppose I'm, I'm, I'm too busy trying to get better at what I'm doing. Yeah, right, and I think that's a very good point too. I think we should all strive to continue to get better at our craft no matter what exactly. it is. Now, have you got a funny story? You've told me a few little funny things, but uh, what about a funny story from a gig that you've been at? Maybe the crowd's gone a little bit feral or um, oh, an amplifier's uh, blown up on you or there must be a, a well, funny joke, a funny story. Uh, not, probably not so much funny, but there's a, there's a, there is a favourite venue of ours, um, the Hoochie Mama that we like playing, and we've been playing there for a few years. And uh, I won't name place obviously but uh okay. it's, all, it's always a lot of fun and the and the locals know how to party and they always get a bit tipsy yep actually they get a lot tipsy <laughs> and, they get, they get very, and, and they get very rowdy and i remember on this one particular night um you know we'll, there was a, a, a lady came in and she must have been at a party and she had a onesie on with a zipper on oh my down God. Front. <laughs> and uh yeah you know where this is going and, yeah. <laughs> And, and uh, she was absolutely plastered and she turned around and looked at me and said, oh, yeah, baby, this is for you. And she just zipped down to zip it down to a belly button and the, like, the double Ds especially fell out. And I just went, I, I looked up and I'm like, God, I looked at Marty and said, did you see that? And he goes, yeah, I saw that. I said, well, and and the, the crowd was going wild. Was going, they were getting pretty crazy. Play. So she zipped it up, kept on dancing away and, and then we had a laugh. Then she would go over to the bass player and have a little bit of a flirt and all this sort of stuff. So we thought that was pretty funny. That is and then she came back. And then she came back at the end of the night and she said, I'll give you more of this if you because we're going off. Last song we've got to go. And we go, more, more. We go, no, no, I'll give you more of this if you play another song. I said, We don't want any more. Put them away. <laughs> Put them away. So that was that was pretty funny. So oh. then so then about oh, probably a couple of months later, we went back. The same same venue, same place. Mm -hmm. And the same thing happened. Another lady, same thing happened again. We got the flash again. So, so except this time, I don't know what it is with Hitchy Mum. Like Tom Jones gets his, you know, got underwear thrown at him, but we're just getting boobs flashed at him. And uh, she went right up to Marty in the middle and just pulled down the top and just going down a fistful of, face, face full of, of boobs. And I'm looking at Marty, Marty's going, not bad, eh? And I'm going, well, I don't know if you like that sort of stuff. But, and then... And I, I just, and so I turned around, I didn't see what was going on. I turned around and I went, oh my God, you know, I was a bit shocked. Yeah. Like, I thought, I thought, it's happening again. What are we, what sort of crowd do we draw here? And uh, <laughs> that was funny. That, that, was, that was pretty funny. We thought it was great. But the crowd was just having a great time, a laugh. And, and then uh, and then we played it again there recently and they're getting that drunk. The guy fell over the fold back, hit the microphone, hit me in the face. Not knocked over the mixing desk, and I caught the mixing desk at the last moment. I had to stop playing guitar in the middle of the song. Oh, no. I rescued the, rescued the mixing desk. He fell down. The mic went over. I picked the mixing desk up, put that back on. The, the crowd come and dragged the guy up, got him up. And I, you know, the drummer, the bass player was still playing. I just kept on going. <laughs> and um, got the mic back up, got the guitar back going. Go, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, you know, get back into the song. Last time we skipped, my mate. 
So I go back into the song again and uh, all was good. So, uh, <laughs> That's but, professionalism. Uh, yeah, just keep going. Didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss a beat. We just carried <laughs> That's on. Fantastic. And, uh, it was pretty funny. So it's always, we love it when the crowd, uh, a bit of interaction. It's, it's a lot of fun. Oh, it absolutely is. Can you think of anywhere that you've played? Um, and of course, without mentioning where, um, where you've walked in and they've gone, oh yeah, you guys can set up over there, and you've looked at it and gone, oh my god, no. Like a, like a bad venue or what yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, not the yeah where no. where the, the the where the band is to set up is a little bit oh, yeah. terrible. Yeah, that happened probably about a month ago. Oh yes, at, at, a, at a particular venue, and it was. Sounded just like, like it was all tiled. Um, it was like near the bar. It was up against a glass wall, all tiled. And everybody knows that it's they're putting a live band into a glass wall and tile surfaces is not going to sound good. No, because it's just going to reverb and just nausea. And it was, and so it was virtually like playing in a beer hall. It was just loud and boomy. And, and the, I had a PA operator there. He was doing his best to uh, rein the sound in, but it just didn't sound from where we were on, on you know, playing, it didn't sound great. But he's he showed me outside, oh, it sounds fantastic outside. I sound I said, You sure it's all booming, you can't do everything on stage. There's no clarity on stage and yeah. And uh, when there's no clarity, as you know, as, as a musician, it's very hard to um, to judge if you're playing well, if you're not playing well, if you can't hear your vocals through through the fallback. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's terrible. And um so that was just yeah, just a month ago, and we walked in. And we're going, oh God, is that really is that we were setting up? Yeah, so, yeah, it does happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think some people that just don't have don't have an idea, they've got no clue. No, I, I, I agree I, with that. There's not much thought and, and, put into it. Mm. No, and music is an afterthought. I think on most on most agendas for public, music music is an afterthought. They don't want to pay a lot of money. It just uh, we want you there. We want we want the band, but they don't want to pay a lot of money. But we want you there to keep the people interested and keep them drinking. Exactly. That's, that's what that's what that's what they want. Yeah. And um, you know, so it's 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 hard to um that's why it's great when you do find a venue and they know what they're doing and the PA is great, the sound's great, the location is great, there's people there. And uh, we we just played a, a gig just a few weeks ago at a place called Shady Pines in Darlinghurst. Yeah. And uh, it's like a country bar. It's uh, it's like a whiskey national country bar type. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's when um Pitchamala, we had to put our country hats on and and play just um, mainly sort of country tunes, or we countrified all our all our songs. Yes. Um, and but the place always gets fairly crowded, and we've got a great little PA, great sound, and we played there that night. And it's just some nights you walk away going, "Geez, that felt good." Like the all the levels were perfect. Yeah. Bowlback was perfect. We played well. No mistakes. Um, the crowd was pumping. Uh, it was great, and you walk out there going, you know, it was, it was worth it. It was worth all the all the bad gigs. Sometimes that uh, you, you do a bad gig and go, oh, God, what are we doing this for? Then you play a good gig and go, oh, I can't wait to do that again. Yeah, exactly. So it's um, sometimes it's a little bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? It is. It is. It's very very mixed emotions. Sometimes you walk out going. Oh, that was crap, and then you do another gig, you know, oh, that was fantastic. Yeah, but you so, know uh, what? You wouldn't want to do anything else, would you, Tony? Oh, of course not. No, we, we talk about it all the time. We, we say the same thing. And, um, even, even look, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sort of joking with the baggies, because even the baggies are still good. You can still play well, you still out there having fun. Yes. But, um, you know, it's it's just sometimes it's, you know, the sound might not be as great or the crowd attendance isn't as, isn't as, as great as what you would like it to be. Yeah. But, um, but, but we still enjoy it. We haven't had a, a bad gig where we'll go, oh, geez, we'll never do that again. No, well, that's uh, good. That's really good. Now, speaking of speaking of your gigs, uh, what have you guys got coming up? Uh, you've got a lot of bookings, I see, around town. So yeah. you can send me your social links that I can put in the description of this interview. And yeah. on that, you know, well, I guess it'll take us to the Hoochie Mama page and all the events will be there. Do you, you yeah. guys have a web page as well, I believe? Yeah, we do. I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the links. It's yeah. just www.hitchimumberband.com. Excellent. Now, have you guys ever toured? Uh, no, not really, just, just touring in our backyard of Sydney. 
Do you well, think? I would love to. I would love to tour, but you know, you've got to um, line up the dates and the gigs and so forth. So, uh, but no, we haven't done it. Yeah, I think you guys would be really, really good. Uh, you know, in the country regions. Yeah, well, as well, that's as, well as well, you know. Yeah, I would love to do that. We're trying to get in um, into Tamworth this year, and that, that was we just missed out on a few gigs up there. Well, don't um, stop trying. No, don't stop trying. No, we, we had a couple of gigs lined up, and then we couldn't do them, and so forth. So, looks like we missed out this year, but hopefully we'll get up there next year. And that's why, that's why the, the other than uh, Ray Charles cover that we do that you'll we'll play a little bit later on. Yeah. I won't show my heart. The new the most of our original material is sort of like sort of countryish. Yes. It's like it's it's not so much traditional Australian country, it's just our it's Hoochie Mama version of country of what we think it is. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's, that's a, fantastic. So that'll be on YouTube as well. Have you got yeah. on Spotify as well we spoke about earlier, I believe. Yes. So I'll get all yes. of those links from you for the description. And right now we'll listen to the Ray Charles cover, Unchain My Heart. Unchain my heart, baby, let me be. Oh, unchain my heart, cause you don't care about me. Oh, you got me so like a pillowcase, cause you let my love go away, so unchain. Unchain my heart Baby, let me go Unchain my heart Cause you don't love me no more Oh yeah Every time I call you on the phone So fella told me that you're not at home So unchain my heart And set me free I'm under your spell Set me free. That's a great cover version too, Tony. Thank you very much. It's very, it's very sort of sixties inspired. Absolutely. What what uh, decade do you think is your favourite for music? Like for me, for example, I love blues. Yeah. So you know that encompasses from the twenties all the way up, yeah. and, and jazz as well, and the sixties and seventies and all the that kind of stuff, and then of course up into the 
2000s. Yeah. So what is your favourite? Um, well, geez, it's, it's hard, hard. To play, <laughs> to play and sing? To play and sing, I, we do a lot of stuff from the 60s to the, to, um, to the 90s, but some, some of our favourite stuff comes from the 60s. Um, yeah, right. When, when I was younger, I never really paid much attention to the 60s. Sort of like, oh yeah, that's in the past. That's you know, old dinosaur music. But um, as you get as you, as you get older, you look back and you realise that these guys are actually geniuses. And that, that was simple songs, well played, and it was just like it was a revolution. Of, um, you know, when it, even early on as as Elvis, when Elvis hit the scene to um, into the Stones and, and the Beatles and so forth, because we do some of the, yep. we do Elvis and Beatles covers and so forth as well, and and, uh, and they're perfect songs for a three-piece band. Yeah, they're, yes. they're not overproduced because obviously we just got guitars, we don't have keyboards. We like to keep the band mm-hmm. simple. And um, so we're always choosing songs that we can play and, and stuff that we enjoy. And a lot of the stuff from the 60s, um, even the 70s and some 80s, is um, a lot of the parts, the guitar parts, the drum parts and the vocals, they're all interesting. So you've got, yes. you got to have interesting parts. Uh, for a three-piece band to make it work, that's what I think. If we're all just shuffling and playing the groove on the eights, like it, like sometimes Australian rock can be, it can be very boring. Yeah, you're just you're just muffling your way through the chords. But um, yes. with, with riffs, you know, from funk, I do like a bit of funk and a bit of disco as well. But they're all it's got to have interesting parts in the songs for us to um to pick to pick the tunes because uh, I think that's what uh, we do best as uh, as a, as a band. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, because you do know uh, during the oh, when it was uh, the new wave stuff, there was a lot of keyboards and synthesizers and all of that in there. Mm. So of course you can't really reproduce that. T- there might not have been a lot of guitar in that, you know. No. So I guess yeah, you've really got to look and see. Well, where's you know cool guitar riffs and or where can we make it work and i think that's yeah song choice is so important isn't it oh, you know and there's and there's more to it than going oh i just like that song well yeah well you, you, there's nothing worse is you know you're playing a show and i go oh play some cultures or play bon jovi like you know, no i don't want to <laughs> we, don't, we, <laughs> we don't do that we're, we're doing something different you know it's like i mean every we always try to with hoochie mum we always try to do be a little bit different from other cover bands. We don't play just the, what, the, what the standard covers. I mean, there's a lot of standard covers that everyone plays. There's probably covers that everyone should play, but we always try yeah, to yeah. pick some songs that will be different. Like, like Don't Chain My Heart, we play other songs um, when you're in the doors and stuff like that, but not every mainstream cover band would do. Um, yeah. so we just try to be a little bit different. Uh, sometimes it works and sometimes people want more commercial material, so we're adding more commercial material as we go along so we can pull a song out if someone says, oh, I didn't play it. Yeah, we can play it. We'll, we'll give it a shot. Yeah, and it's quite it's quite satisfying to know that you've got one in the band exactly. that somebody's asking for, you know. Exactly. But, um, yeah, I think as a band and musicians, you've got to keep challenging yourself, keep learning more material because then it yeah it keeps it fresh for you, keeps it fresh for the punters. And um, makes you more versatile as well. Yeah, well, that's why I like with uh, Uchiman, we cover everything from the 60s to the noise, as, as we say, and we will cover from rock, pop. We do a couple of disco tunes. Um, we do some rockabilly tunes in there as well. So we, we play a bit of, bit of everything. And, um, and, and I think what we do, we do it well. Uh, we, we, we hope we do it well anyway. But um, otherwise... You can come, you go see a band like Hoochie Mama, or there's a lot of other bands like us, we just play a whole bunch of material. Or you're going to go see a tribute band where they just play one, one, one band or one type of music. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, that, and that's and that's the other strain. That, that's probably a whole other conversation between tribute bands and cover bands again. It's, uh, oh, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is. I could talk all day. That's I, for I, sure. I could talk all day about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's so many things that we could you know, keep touching on in the music world. But, um, you know, we're, we're here for Hoochie Mama and you today. Okay. So, we'll, yeah, and I'm glad we're focused on that. And 
We're bringing, um, putting all your links up so people can see where all your events are and your webpage and all of that kind of thing and listen to your original music. And I'm definitely going to see you guys around the traps. Well, we have stayed. We've got some shows coming up uh, in a couple of months. I've taken a break. I'm going on holidays in October and uh, got some shows with another band and then um, got the, a show in December at the Rocks of the Orient on a Sunday afternoon. Nice. It's going to be a great venue and it'll be right uh, leading up to holiday season. So a couple of people couple of yeah. around there. So if someone's in town, come and see us at the Rocks. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you'll be out before then, so we'll promote that heavily for you. Yep. Well, Tony, thank you so much for spending this time with me this evening and with the listeners. Uh, you're a very interesting man and... You know, I've just absolutely loved speaking with you. It's been a joy and it's an absolute pleasure and um, thank you very much for having me. You're totally welcome. Well, I'll say good night. See you later. Bye-bye. Good night. And we were joined this evening by Tony DeSantis from Hoochie Mama. What a fantastic fella he is. You have been listening to Conversations with Crystal. I'm your hostess, Crystal. And until next week, when we have another fabulous guest for you, please stay safe, stay happy, stay cool, stay awesome. And most of all, please stay tuned to this channel. Good night. Mm -hmm.